to entertain you with 25 differently themed shows hosted by local San Francisco comedians, bringing you comedians from all over the United States. Here, everything will be live. When you hear the trippy music, you know what time it is. It's Wednesday. It's two o'clock. It's time for some call me Tim. Every week I try to time it out, and I never really do. Uh, Hey, I'm really excited on Some Call Me Tim today. I have a special guest in the studio, Gula Finman. I'm trying to never... I'm trying to never say it wrong ever again. You have to be up to... There you go. Okay. There you go. That's perfect. You sound Uh, good. Yeah, it's very sexy. Great. Uh, Welcome to Some Call Me Tim, the show where we talk about uh, the universe and God or gods and how you were raised or if that matters and if you're religious now or if you're not or all that kind of stuff. Um, If you believe in the future and what happens after we die, stuff like that. So usually I have people look deep into the eyes of Sparkle Jesus there behind you. There he is. Uh, and do you, do you believe in Jesus? Hmm. I believe in this Jesus <laughs> right now. In Sparkle Jesus? Yeah. 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 Um, and his power. Um, yeah. I, believe, I believe in Jesus because in the sense that I believe in history and how much meaning we've put in that. And that's undeniable. So I believe in... Believe in Jesus's impact for sure. Yeah, because if that's real, you can mm. actually see it. its effects yeah. in the world and and all that. Yeah. Uh, but you were you weren't raised particularly Jesusy, were you? No, not at all. I mean, I love and I love the like for me the question of how you were raised is like it it could be a week long answer for me because uh-huh. I'm, I'm so in that all the time. But um, I was raised Jewish where I think Jesus was like, yeah, it was like the ultimate, the ultimate lever of the tribe. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know? All so right. What was that? What is that word called? The word Messiah? For, <laughs> the Messiah. <laughs> Leader of the yeah. tribe. But no, but they don't. Yeah. But the Jesus Messiah is like, yeah. I think like I where I start with, with this is like my name. Like, right. Gula sure. Is... And like, uh, you know, I get up on stage a lot and people ask me if I have a stage name and I'm always like, no, like, <laughs> I, I want you to know, like, I want I want a little hint for you, you know, that there's some complicated me going on there, you know, sure. I'm, you know, and some people, everyone's complicated in some people's names. What does Ga'ula mean? So it means redemption in the messianic sense. Wow. Which is cray, cray. Um, redemption. Why would your parents name you Redemption. Because I was fifth and they ran out of ideas. Uh, well, fifth out of how many? Fifth out of seven. Uh, and you're the redemption so they could keep going? Like, what, are the, what is what is the... Re- what are your other your siblings? What are the first four siblings' names so mean? My dad's... Okay, so I'll say, like, my dad's name means deer. And then three of my siblings' names mean mean deer, like the animal. So, like, oh. that's weird. I just realized that, like, last week. I was like, that's weird. Um, and also not... Like, as in doe a deer, a female yeah. deer. Yeah, but a boy deer, like a buck. So there's like a buck, a baby deer, and a mother deer. Right. And a they did that by accident. And, a, and that's what their names mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, and my brother right after me, his name is Alex. Everyone has like weird names, and then he just got Alex, Alex which was like the most popular name in the year he was born. Alexander? Or? Alexander. Alexander. Straight up. Yeah. It's just like, 
But mine is probably the weirdest, but at least I just named her Bracha. She means blessing. So she changed it to breathe. She just, you know, we all kind of did our own thing. But I kept Geula and I, I think about it and I spent a lot of time on like the journey of like, well, I don't, I don't, uh, I went on a, a long journey to that. And what does redemption mean to me? And, you know, like, Bob Marley sings about redemption right, <laughs> and people always yeah song. and people follow song of freedom this song of yeah so where was he what was his headspace yeah. when he was singing about that and so I just expanded and contracted and like played around with the idea of redemption to being like personal liberation and blah 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 but as a fifth child yeah. you are the opposite of personal liberation it is yeah. tying your mother down and your father down with chains of responsibility the fifth one right like uh you're an attractive person are your four uh previous siblings ugly was it like they were trying for a fifth because they were like look at these hideous babies we've made we really need to get a good one. I don't know. They were trying. Redemption. Gaula. <laughs> She's finally, finally, we got the tall, pretty one. We got it. They're Everything's okay. I'm the funny one. There's a pretty one. <laughs> uh, but there's my, there, they were trying for a boy and I was the fifth girl. So. Oh my God. They were disappointed for sure. I mean, my, my mom does talk about my birth story. Like it was some kind of like, she was just like zenning out at that point. She was just like addicted to the process. I think, Oh you my know? God. Of like being pregnant, the hormones, hormones and and for sure. And I guess when you're on your fifth kid, they just fall out of your vagina, right? Absolutely. Just, Absolutely. Just stand, your water breaks, you stand up and it's like, she's well, like, I got a baby. The doctor didn't even have time to put her gloves on. <laughs> she's like, stop having the baby. And, and I just had it without her. And I'm like, I know you did. I know. Mom. <laughs> She had to like be on bed rest for the last one because it would literally just fall out. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. But but maybe After maybe seven having... months is just gonna fall out. There's nothing to hold it back in. No, you no. gotta have some kind of like. That's why older women they probably use you know um, pads instead of tampons because it'll hold the. It'll yeah, in they have like little girdles with Sphinx original. Right, hold it, hold, hold the baby, hold the baby in. in. Yeah. Oh, just... So yeah. how many? Uh, did they ever get their boy? So, yeah, they got one boy. I don't think they were supposed to have boys. He's weird. I think they... <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm such a mean big sister. No, they got one boy. Um, they made him become a rabbi, and he, like, secretly eats bacon on the side and, like, doesn't tell them. But, um, yeah, it's kind of They loaded. made him become a rabbi? Yeah. How does that happen? That'd be I like know. someone trying to make you into a nun or so trying to make weird. you... It's so weird. Like, I mean... I'm, I think it's like it's like making is like very it's like very complicated but like they're like I felt like unconditionally loved like I could do whatever I wanted and they would have to love me anyway and then like for my brother I felt like he was it was just like contingent on like him carrying on the rabbi Finman name because uh, um, your dad's a rabbi he, my dad's a rabbi um, whoa he has a rabbi persona like he loves to talk like he has a radio program that's like religious am radio like non-ironic you know for <laughs> yeah, 25 yeah. years yeah. um he you know it's on stitcher you can listen to it if you want the jewish hour with rabbi finman um and he like proselytizes what he cherishes most dearly and i mean i, I do think my parents have an interesting faith background um and as i get older i think sure their life like looks a lot different but our values are actually like not that far different, off. which yeah. is it's crazy it's crazy sure. because um they both grew up like 
in totally secular homes mm. differently, but like, you know, with people who valued science and were like atheists from like the turn of the century. And wow. like, you know, I'm fourth generation American Jew. And like, they really like valued science as like the future. Um, and their Jewish identity was like really by identity only. You know, we don't pray to God. Cultural. Cultural. It was, it was cultural. very cultural. So, so the foods, the. Yes. Sure. Yeah. And my dad, maybe a little more than my mom with the cultural stuff. But then, but then, um, you know, I think acid happened. Uh, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. And um, the the kids were maybe a little bit more entitled and had time to like wander in college and like, you know, drop out of University of Michigan and like go to India and Oroville and explore. And my both of my parents are younger. My dad also comes from a family of six. Oof. Uh, and then my mom is the youngest of four. And they both had older siblings that were more in the hippie generation. They're a little after. And then they were just looking for for meaning in their own lives Oof. and around the age of like 16 and 15 which is sort of like when you're really firing like you're all angsty that's sort of when they grabbed on and found a very culty branch of judaism ah. and uh just fell in heart i mean just gave up everything changed their names i met each other you know after they were in it for about 10 years wow um and yeah, and their marriage and foundation of it was based on like being in this cult. And it's like I call it a cult, but I, I call things cults very, very loosely. Like I think sure. Jesus was the idea of Jesus is like one of our sort of biggest cult leaders, but that idea of a cult is it's everywhere in San Francisco. I mean it's it's in the tech world. Like it's it's how we Yeah, the cult of personality. Yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, how you become yeah. if once you're part of Google, you're in Google. There was a book that was written called The Center and it's mm. by a really great local writer. He's the one who put together uh, 976 Valencia or 96 whatever what's his name oh it's such a good book too and it's by that I guy in San and Francisco it's, long enough. it's it is so good and it's about sort of like a Google thing where they become part of it and everybody's like this yeah. group, like what happens in the future if everybody's watching everything yes. and how many points you have and yeah it's a really really great book um, that's exactly it it's just like socializing socializing around a power structure sure, sure, sure. and then putting a lot Everyone of faith in it, it. Yeah. and the faith yeah. in it is what makes google stronger right and so and the uh, faith in yeah. it is what may i mean i, I got you though because some people say that catholicism is even a cult oh, and yeah. some people yeah. say that you know certain sects of christianity mormonism is a cult but then there are mormons that believe it and i was even taught that hinduism is a cult i'm like I mean, how could a world religion be a cult my definition of cult is really like it's dynamic but it's like if you're going to do something that's not good for you because i'm so, like we're we live in such an individualistic culture that it's easy to come to this like if you're going to do something that alienates you from your own desires mm. and your own i know this is good for me i know this is healthy for me but that part of you is being turned off and sometimes that's a little bit of a stretch because sometimes that could be just like an, a relationship or sometimes it could be just like where what are you sacrificing to mm -hmm. and then it's like if you're sacrificing to a community that doesn't give back to you in the same way then it's a cult to me and like it's a very loose measure and i call things cults very easily and sometimes i even call things cults in a positive way sure which is yeah. just like we need something to have faith and we need community right. um and we need and we need um we have like faith systems in our brain and like we need to live for something larger than ourselves or we we're i'm just not that interesting or then so, yeah. not or we become nihilistic and we're like fuck everything exactly yeah so if we don't care you have to care about something yeah i don't care what it is you got to care about yeah. something and i it's, mean if it's yeah. a cat or you have a kid mm -hmm. or 
you know, you really like Absolutely. gravy. It, like, the, I mean, as long as you believe in yeah. something. I like Flying Spaghetti Monster particularly. Yeah, exactly. As like, um, you know, his noodly appendage being yeah. touched by that is, you know, mm. intelligent design. Exactly. Like, and that's, I love that. That's exactly what I'm getting at. It's just like, insert, insert right. thing here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Unicorns. Second, even yeah. My Little Ponies now. Like, there's a yeah. whole group of people that really identify with My Little Ponies. Friendship is magic, and or it's like a two-way conversation oh. with My Little Pony. You know, like it's talking back. <laughs> there's a new My Little Pony that's a robot that my friend got for her baby, and you should hurt her two-year-old and it's a tiny pony and it it like does things with its paws and it high fives you and it tells stories and this two-year-old lost her mind with like the like she was just like i mean i can't believe like if i had a robot horse when i was two years old i I mean come on toys got better Toys got robot, it's an AI <laughs> pony with wings and a unicorn oh sparkly horn that lights up. Like, what? An, you don't even need to have invisible friends anymore. You can literally have like an AI yes. friend. Yes. I mean, like somebody just introduced me to Elf on the Shelf, which is like playing around with kids. I mean, like <laughs> I grew up with Elf on the Shelf, but it was like actually God. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. So it's like a really good alternative. Like maybe the, the the pony unicorn that's a robot would be like a better like omnipotent being in a two year old's life. Sure. Like it knows if you like tried to go potty or not. You know, like I would. I'm like always looking for things that like make kids behave the way you want them to. Like conditioning sure. toys. Sure. I'm a yeah. nanny. Um, yeah. but. For like kid, like a two and a half year old that's like really, really like wants to do her own thing all the time, um, and so I'm always just like looking for like ways to be like, <laughs> what? Like how did? Like when I was little, like they would just put the fear of God in yeah, me. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it was yeah. a good tool, and it's like up until the age of five, I think it's like a good tool for kids to like have this daddy thing, which kind of, I mean, sorry, I said that was so. That was so for for but like a God thing that is kind of like mom and dad too. Like mom sure. and dad are kind of God. Well, it's an I mean, yeah. it's an external society, or it's an ex, it's an it's a group outside of your family that's saying this is right and this is wrong. Yeah. When you belong to like a community oh, or whatever, it's like it takes a village or what have you. But yeah. whatever whatever group you're in, it's somebody like so. Mom and dad can say this is right and this is wrong. Yeah. Or nanny can say yeah. this is right and this is wrong. But when you get out in the world, what's the external group of people that goes they are right, this is right and this right. is wrong, and we all believe this. So when their whole world is creating certain expectations and certain laws and stuff, then it gives you some protection yeah. against the fucking internet, like or the TV or right. the commercials or the right. It helps give context outside of because the school doesn't always agree with what mom and dad say and the world as as a whole doesn't always agree especially like when you're looking at kids now it's all commercialism and stuff and things and to stay away from that cult the cult of americanism of you aren't anything unless you have things right that your worth is based off your haves all the things that's that's how the your importance and worth is based on like kids they learn that early that their shoes that if you wear one kind of shoes you're treated differently than if you wear this other kind of shoes absolutely i mean the automatic thing with kids is like i want this i want this or like the capitalism is so easy to train it's it's so yeah yeah oh i mean but that's what i was saying with like my parents have 
if you if I look if I described their their value system to you at face level it sounds crazy it's like my mom covers her hair she only wears dresses I only wear skirts till I was 18 and yet I see that their whole desire to like rebel against what they were born into to become like Hasidic Jews was anti-capitalistic it was radical um non-conforming and and really just like a big fuck you to 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 mainstream culture and um i think it was a form of individualism because once they got into that sect they were they kept individual like my parents were the only like democrats and like liberal people in our community like they're like a republican community but my i always knew that like you know like when i was little you know everyone was voting for bush and my parents were voting for gore and i like (laughs) felt like a weirdo you know so like they they they're it's people look at and i talk about this with like a a, um, some like religious muslim friends i have as well where like they look at you and you're covering your hair and they're like you're conforming you're you're turning your brain off but i'm like being covering your hair as a muslim woman walking around san francisco is so radical absolutely so it's so individual thinking it's not it's not like a group think thing it's it's doing it with a lot of intentionality you don't like absolutely you know what i mean and so you don't I, have to do it here no you don't one's asking to. you to yeah. it's a choice but you said you were raised hasidic jew that's yes. so did they, did your mom wear the wig she wore i know that that's a yeah. thing too is like yes. if you're like super super jew women can't show their own hair they have to actually wear a wig yes which so she like, wore like what? scarves and wigs and another interesting thing about that is i love talking about the wig conversation because i also had friends all my friends growing up I went to high school like this. They're all married, very young, and have kids now. But they'll spend, well, no matter how rich you, they'll spend like three grand on their wig. Wow! And it's all human hair, and um, they they have a few, and what I, like they just all have these like stunning like down to their butts wigs. My mom kind of always like also did a weird thing with it. She always had like short wig. I have short hair, but my mom like. It was very weird for like a woman in my community to have like she covered her hair. She would get them out of like she would get she I grew up with. She would get like um I think they're like for women with cancer like to be honest. <laughs> and then she had cancer, but um they're like wigs for women with cancer. And she would just get like these short fucking wigs that were like I'm wearing a wig, but like I still look like totally different. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like I also always felt like my parents were like rebels within their own community. If, if I was going to yeah. go that direction yeah. religiously with wigs, I would have like pink wigs and right? green wigs and weird bouffant wigs. I'd be like, why if not? I'm going to wear a wig, it's going to be, I mean, why not have fun with it? Why Absolutely. not have a wig with dreadlocks and a wig right. like that's all? I yeah. mean, hello. I love that these women were like, okay, you want me to wear a wig for modesty? Well, I'm about to look so sexy. Yeah. I'm about to look so sexy. And like, there would be like conversations with like the elders in the community like are these women looking too sexy it's the letter of the law but is it the spirit of the law <laughs> and it's just like i don't know like is it still this is that the sex through the sheet kind of i mean that's what I mean, people asked me that also like when i was little and that's a total myth just it's a myth it's a total myth really? not even not even like the most ultra orthodox sects of jews do that and I'm, in fact like there there are some like cultural norms around sex and there's definitely like communities where like pe- there isn't good sex education and sex is weird because it's like people are really naive around sex but I, I do think that like that that's also like overstated at times too with like I mean my friends that got married at 18 honestly have like way healthier sex life than I, did. Yeah. <laughs> I mean they're with this partner they like work at it they get toys like I talk to them like it's yeah, sure. it's actually like 
but the sex in the sheet thing is 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 a funny is a funny myth but i think it just comes from like people thinking like well they're gonna have sex but they're gonna like retain this look that you see them have on the street and i don't know i don't I, know i think that it derives from the rabbinical practice of not shaking women's hands mm-hmm. and so it could be extrapolated from there and and it's such like uh, a reverse kind of like misogyny or whatever where it's they they where they say that women are so powerful yeah that you can't touch them right unless they're your husband or you're their wife yeah because the woman's power is so intoxicating right and it is so strong and a woman's virality yeah. is so out of control that if a man touched her he just can't he right. just doesn't know what might happen right so in order to take that out of the mix you just don't right. touch women i mean well it's different like, when you're married so when you're married like there's a whole a whole nother set of laws you know and i think like it does you like you have to have there's like a i don't know if i want to get into this but with the the sex laws within marriage are different i mean in my person I, I like to try to speak from a personal place but like i never saw my parents touch affectionately growing up really isn't that weird they would fight and fucking throw shit at each but other seven kids you knew that they were touching each other each other somewhere yeah some and like i remember like coming into my parents room and like seeing my parents in the same bed because like they had separate beds oh my because and then i learned as i got older like what that was about so because you, it's about being able to fucking sleep <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if a woman's bleeding you have to sleep in separate beds oh my god really yeah because of the red tent yeah it's very Back red tent and then the woman goes through a ritual bath and they still do this women's ritual baths um men men do it my dad did it too um he did it daily and then my mom did it after her period and i never knew about this growing up they were very secretive about it um and my mom would go and she would and then after okay so like after she was clean for a certain amount of time she would dip and then that night they like had to have sex and it was it is reproductive it's like you kind of try to have sex around the time you're ovulating ovulating yeah and so it's sort of like how to have sex to create babies. Sure. Um, it's very weird that like their sex is mandated about that. And this is when I I say it's like culty is if you had like a problem, I get mad about this stuff. If you have like a problem with like not knowing if you were bleeding or not knowing if it's time to have sex, who do you ask? <laughs> you ask a rabbi. <laughs> so you take your dirty underwear to a rabbi and are like, is this blood? You smell the discharge. He All right. It. Uh, you're ovulating soon. Uh, I'm the expert How on uh, vaginal like, discharge. Talk about modesty. Like I wouldn't just. I don't want anyone to sniff my underwear right no, now. No, I don't know. Right? Like Definitely that's not. so private. No, maybe only some witches. Like if there was a witchy person, I'd be like, yeah, you can sniff my underwear. You. If, if somebody you. lets me sniff their underwear, that's the. If the rabbi let me sniff his underwear when I was handing him, then it would be fair. I just need it's, it to be fair. Yeah, you know, quality stuff. Quality yeah, 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 yeah. In the underwear. There's sniffing. one man in each neighborhood that just knows. Well, I have the joke. I have the joke about that. That there's so many rules around. I mean, so guys are all like, "Oh, your period's gross," and yet they call it menstruation. It's like literally the one thing that they can't ever do. And language is so yeah. political that their names all over it. Like menstruation, really? That's you so can't funny. do it, and yet, and you think it's gross. Yeah. Like, and, but you put your name on it. Yeah. And we're just supposed to be like, "Yes, I'm a woman." Like we're yeah. we just we just let go all of all the time all of this like political language that involves the subjugation of women in a I mean, systemic way. Since Ju- Judaism is so heavily patriarchal. It's like it's like our whole lives, like our village lives were built around like 
periods and women Tradition. being disgusting. Yeah, disgusting. Exactly. You know, and it's just like I love finding like sects of rebel Judaism now, and they're totally out there, especially in California, where like it, it's like all women led and like goddess energy Judaism. Yeah, and, like, I love yeah. it. I think it's like so yeah. fucking awesome. And like, um, there's like a queer uh, group who um, are very like they know Hebrew and they know Aramaic and they learn the ancient texts of the rabbis like the Talmud yeah. and they break it down and they're just like um if we have access to this we have power to like redefine our traditions or actually define our traditions in a way that's like we're included hello like not just like and it's not I, well it's because know. of Leviticus so looking yeah. at Leviticus mm-hmm. and when you see the rules and laws that were handed down that are against sodomy and they talk yes. about that kind of stuff i think that those were in the bible there because it was contextual when the Jews were constantly getting conquered by everyone and their little boys and girls were being stolen and put into slavery. And if you look at the Romans at that time, they all the time had butt sex. Yes. The Greeks were having tons of butt yes. sex. And the Romans were having yes. tons of butt sex. And they were subjugating the Jewish people at that time who were roaming around in the desert and all this stuff, the Egyptians yeah. and all this stuff. And so they're, they're saying in those texts, contextually at the time, they're like, basically saying we don't want our children to be enslaved we don't we see this yes as this goes against what we're doing because we're not enslaving other people and forcing them to have butt sex right and so it was like more like a a power yeah protection of their children not like gay people are bad it's like people who subjugate you and take you over and make you we're gonna agree that we're not gonna have like little little boy captives exactly yes exactly yeah and and i think like the context is so amazing and like i i want to go to this queer camp and like learn the context of all these things because it's so interesting to me to be like because it does affect our like what is it what's the word i'm looking for like judeo-christian society but it affects all three western uh single god religions it affects because you've got the muslims are also a western religion yeah they have they share the same abraham situation yeah so you've got the christians the jews and the muslims and if there was sort of a switch about how any of those religions were thinking about the gays or the women or people. It, yeah, it would be, it would completely revolutionize the way what was, I mean, it's just, yeah, exactly. And I think like the context of like what those people had is, is so interesting to me. Like I look at even what the traditions are that the group that my parents joined were trying to keep and it's so silly. It's like the style of dress had a lot more to do with how people in Eastern Europe and those villages in Ukraine were like dressing. Like, why would you dress that way in Brooklyn? You know, and it's like right. the context. Right. Sure. It's kind of like yeah. that inability. And I see this in people and myself all the time when like you do something, even when in the seasons, it's like you're wearing your Patagonia or whatever San Franciscans wear. And then all of a sudden, the weather changes, but you wear it for like a month longer than you need to because of habit. And I feel like so much of religion is just like, okay, we're done with this now. Well, the Catholics yeah. call what nuns wear a habit. It's literally That's called so a habit. <laughs> Not what nuns wear. It's called a habit. <laughs> exactly. And it's just like, I love going back to like, um, uh, like people being the masters of their own universe and being like, is this habit still working for me? Right. 
Is there, is there a point to this anymore? Yeah. So I understand why the Jews don't eat the shellfish because shellfish are bottom feeders yeah. eating dead people. Do you know there's these crazy, crazy crabs that the Chinese people love and they have these huge, huge claws. And where are they found? At the mouth of the Ganges River. Now why? Why would these huge, awesome crabs live in this weird part of the Indian Ocean? Because that's where the Indians put their dead people. And so these oh, enormous wow. crabs come and they're like, yum, 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 I eat you dead person. Person on That's the bottom amazing. of the ocean and they make these enormous crabs these claws and this is huge like bigger than your head claw and they're prized and they put them in china they put them in things and the people look at them and then they buy them they eat them oh because they're eating dead people it's like, like reincarnation yeah, I, I get it. Reincrustation. Uh, I get it why the Jews don't eat. I get it. But then the there's whole a group of people. Thing. There's a whole group of people way larger than the Jews that look at that and say, that's something I want to condone and encourage Fucking because it's awesome. sustainable. Yeah. It's awesome. And then, so for like, <laughs> yeah. for us, like we live in this global time where like, where like we get to like sort of be like, my instinct is that's disgusting, which is how I feel about everything I didn't grow up with. Right. I have this. Yeah. Or, I mean, I'm the worst. I'm so, I'm walking around with this like judgmental rabbi in my brain and I have to bring mm. with like, with like shame about sexuality, sure. with like, um, with gender identity stuff, with the food I eat. If it wasn't in my whole life experience when I was little, then I have to like recalibrate every time to be exactly. like, oh, I can accept this this because it's actually like not hurting anyone. I was not allowed to eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in my home because my parents were raised when they were raised, they were very poor uh, and they had to eat so many peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that when they became parents, they said, our children will never be poor. They will never eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So when I was a kid, all I wanted was a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like everyone else had, but we weren't allowed to eat that because my mom was like, we have to have turkey with tomatoes and lettuce and like really delicious deli sandwiches. The shit the kid in her class brought to lunch that she couldn't have. Like, that's so And amazing. so I'd be like, I don't. So I had my first peanut butter and jelly sandwich when I was 16 years old. Wow. And I was like, wow, this is what I've been missing. This is not that much, but it, it, it is very tasty if you toast the bread. I really like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I only I like had one toasted had, bread. Probably since I was 16. They have a peanut butter and jelly beer floating around the Bay Area right now. That's weird. And it's actually good. It tastes <laughs> um, kind of like a Reese's cup. Peanut butter and jelly is very good if you make it with, uh, make one and then French toast it. Okay, yeah. So make fry it, that shit up. Yeah, fry that shit up. But with the egg and the cream and then the little bit of sugar in it. Boop, yeah. boop, boop. That's that's pretty Fantastic amazing. Fantastic French yeah. toast. Big big fan of that. Yeah. But my parents because they so they changed the rules about our house and the way right. we were, so we were raised in this very like I wasn't allowed to take the bus because the bus was for poor mm. people. And so I didn't ride a bus until I was in my mid-20s. Yeah. I'd never ridden a bus. And they're trying to protect you like from those things. And like, yeah. And it's like you choose you choose your line, your lines and rules. That's, I mean, my dues, my, what I wasn't allowed to do when I was little was just like this infinite, infinite list, infinite <laughs> list. And it was them trying to protect me from whatever. Like, what are some of the things you couldn't do? Well, we didn't have a TV. Was not allowed to watch TV. Ooh. Was not allowed to go to ki- Wait, friends' no houses that had TV. No TV at all. We went... Okay, so here's the places that I watch TV. 
um, my grandparents' house, I would watch PBS. Okay. Yeah. And I would go there Gables. three times a year. And mm-hmm. a Green Gables, good stuff. Yeah. Fucking Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. I hated it, but I, I didn't. Sorry, I'm going to lose a lot of audience. I didn't like Mr. Rogers when I was a little child. I appreciate it now. <laughs> and I had to, and I watched it because it was a screen. Um, and I didn't have, I wasn't allowed to play with Barbie. <gasps> I got a Barbie for my aunt. You weren't allowed to and play my parents because took it of away. their sexy boobies? Because of the boobs. Them boobies, no Barbies. But I like what always about a skipper. Couldn't you have a skipper? What's a skipper? A skipper was a teenage Barbie with no boobs. There was one in 1976 called Growing Up Skipper, and she had a her she had a rubber front, and when you twisted her arm, her boobs would come out. Oh, Growing my Up Skipper. God. Yeah, that's my so parents' worst nightmare. I wasn't allowed to have, but I, I always like knew the loopholes. Like I had a, a friend, and I literally hated her, but she had the. She had a, the biggest Barbie collection. All the so, Barbies. I mean, I didn't hate her, but like, you know what I mean? She was my Barbie friend. Yeah. I figured it out. Um, loopholes. So, my life was loopholes. Like, I would, um, my parents screened the books I got from the library. What? And, I, and I, we lived, my, my parents moved to the house we lived in because it was walking distance to the library. So I would just like walk my five-year-old self across the boulevard and go to the library and just read whatever schmutz I needed. And... I knew that like my parents would occasionally. There's seven of us, so neglect helped a lot. But like, um, I, they would screen my books, and like, I, like I knew like if a book had like a belly button piercing on it, that was like the one I wanted. But I knew my parents would take that away, so I would like stash it under a bush and be like, "Here's the books I'm reading." Um, but I actually like grew up with like this, with this like strong wealth of, of knowledge because I would like read the books from the mature teen section, which like had everything from like cutting to fucking your teachers you know like right, so sure. I like i like kind of grew up like in this, sure. this like weird homeschool thing where like i never met a kid that did drugs when i was little but like i read all about what happens when you do heroin sure and so sure. it was like, kind of like this weird i knew yeah. a lot more than my my friends in a way without tv because i just like from books which is like a really nerdy sort of which is uh, great because great. no I, one knows how to read anymore plus you're yeah. young you're like 23 27 27 thank okay you, yeah Yep. super young so like i mean i don't know how to read anymore but but it did it was like it was really helpful because like when you watch tv you just see a kid with anorexia and you're like oh she's cool like the movie 13 uh, that she's cool i'm gonna do that which is what i did i got my belly button piercing when i was 14 oh yeah i was a rub a rebel yeah yeah sure. but uh uh yeah that um no tattoos though that would be against the I'm still thing. fighting I have I, I know I have a list of all the tattoos I'm gonna get I've almost put down deposits before and then I'm like my mother you know yeah. I, my sister got um, a few tattoos and I again with the judgment I was like oh I can't believe she got a tattoo you know I was like yeah, all yeah. like this Russian grandmother in my head and I'm like I don't give a shit like yeah. why do I what part of me cares like I'm not right. I don't believe that it's wrong for you it's like these 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 cultural things which I do love I do love tradition I, 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 I tradition. like tradition like people are tradition. Like, like I say like I don't celebrate Christmas what I mean is I don't have a tradition of celebrating Christmas so mm. now it's like around Christmas time and I'm just like how was your Hanukkah it, my, I didn't do anything for Hanukkah didn't do anything. <laughs> no, no latkes no I didn't do anything I didn't I didn't do shit I was just like doing my life because I wasn't like putting myself in Jewish community which I like don't miss right now but it's just like I don't know, like, I want a Christian, like, I'm sorry, I want a Christmas tradition, but I don't know which parts of it to adapt because I'm like, I don't want more stuff. I don't want capitalism. Like, I don't like a lot of parts of Christmas. And I'm like, what are the parts of Christmas that I love? And I love the gatherings. I love giving, like, the, the idea of giving. Um, and, like, I have a lot of friends that, like, 
have alternative giving ways that are like making stuff or like writing poems for people like right i don't know like there's ways that i would bring christmas into my home but i just like i don't know like i'm cynical about it because because i i'm like or not cynical about it something i'm just it's not a tradition for me and so i'm like if i want to if i was like with a partner that it was their tradition then i would be happy because it would be like i'm gonna do it the way that this person feels christmas yeah i i used to make a i have a big thing for gingerbread houses i like making little houses i've made them they're fun icing them but the problem is now that i find it silly to bake without marijuana in it so if i was gonna make a gingerbread house i'd have to make it with weed gingerbread gingerbread house gingerbread house but then it you kind of need it to be old and hard for it to stand up, which means no one's going to eat it. You don't actually eat uh, a gingerbread house. You just kind of don't do that. So for me, right. like there's, although the tradition of making gingerbread houses for me is exciting and I love it, at the same time, I'm like, why would I bake anything without marijuana in it? And that's where kids come in, I think. <laughs> <laughs> which is like, there's a reason, like they help me with tradition anyway. Sure, sure. I'm not answering your problem. I think it's just a problem that could be left open. Right. But, um, yeah. Did you celebrate Christmas growing up? Yeah. Well, yes. Um, it, it was a very... Or how did you? Our family was mm-hmm. just very... My family is very traditional Christian home. Mm-hmm. Uh, although my people... I, so my grandma was Catholic, but my grandfather was Jewish. Mm-hmm. Until the day he died, he did Seder every week. Wow. And he, he observed the Sabbath. And um, he was... But he made a deal with my grandma that they would raise their three boys Catholic when they got married. Uh, right before he went to World War II. He said, I love you, I want to marry you. And she's like, all right, but they're being raised Catholic. That's just the way it is. And so he was like, okay, I love you. Um, And so they negated that part of our um, history for a long time. But then I, I actually, I was a Jewish summer camp counselor for like, 12 years of course at the JCC. you were <laughs> so like i know all the prayers and all that stuff and at my first wedding we broke a glass and you know i knew it, anyways so like i've adopted over yeah. time because for me christianity really fucked me up but i like the idea of community and yeah. I, at the time i was married and i was thinking about having kids and i was like if i'm gonna have kids i want to raise them with some external morality other than what mommy and daddy say right but i didn't want it to be christian because jesus really did fuck me up like Really? The thirty-three-year-old invisible friend, not healthy for me. Like, just not because I have such a vivid Im- imagination. Was it a man in there? Like, was there? A there man? was. I was best friends with Jesus. Like, wow. I talked to Jesus all the time. Like, all the time, even all the way through high school. And it's so funny that you brought up the acid with your parents. Yeah. Until I started doing acid when I was in college, when yeah. I was eighteen, nineteen, I was like a serious zealot. I was like a wow. super, super Jesus head, like really really a hundred percent believed that he was sitting next to me talking to me informing my life on a daily basis on a minute by minute sort of like checking in constantly like having a personal relationship with jesus christ i took it really 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 seriously now also that means you that means you like won because like that's what they want you to do yeah so it's kind of like you were like i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna win at it almost like it felt like you it feels like you were like winning at christianity i was winning at christianity definitely Um, and then all of a sudden I started, um, doing drugs and I was like, oh, that's, that's not, uh, what I believe in at all. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing. But the problem is that for me, I mean, I drank the Kool-Aid. I have an incredibly vivid imagination, so I can believe anything. I believe in unicorns. Yeah. I believe in like, 
luck dragons. I believe in witchcraft. I believe in weird, like, dreamscape stuff. I believe in, like, yeah. new agey, like, energy fields. You're I mean, sensitive. I'm, yeah, but I, it's because I can believe anything. It's because I, you know, I, like... I read a lot of books as a kid. And but that's, I can, what I, like, that's what I love about, like, if you grew up a certain way, like, you can either, like, resent it and put, a, like, a big blind about it or incorporate it in a creative way. Sure. And, like, I think that's that's been the work of, like, my early 20s was, like, I mean, I did, like, one of those, like, Vipassana meditation courses. Rad. I, I was, like, 18, and I was, like, okay, like, I don't have to go to high school anymore where I'm getting, like, 16 courses of Hebrew a day, <laughs> literally. So, like, I did this Vipassana course. I had no clue what it was, but I was just, like, bawling and being, like, these Hebrew phrases in my head, like, meshing with, like, these, like, weird Burma chants. And I was, like, oh, like, it's all the same shit. Wow. And then, like, I, like, like it's a journey that actually happened repeatedly it's like actually more common this cross of like buju stuff but it was like young enough where i was just like oh like uh, it's all finding the universe the universality and things and that's when you were talking about like um wanting to raise kids without jesus but with some of it it's like for me the answer was like well what's universal you know what's what's in what are the concepts that are like not bound by like a religious institution cats cats (laughs) and like acid was so helpful like i didn't do it i I, I took me a while to get to acid because i was like doing vipassana and i was like asking my professors in college about like perception and i was like reading and like being like is it gonna hurt or hinder reality like it was very into like consciousness i was like studying consciousness labs and i was like very intentional about my acid and then now i'm just like i'll do acid like anytime yeah but it took a while for me to like lose my ass for virginity and be like what is it going to mean to me and then i was very intentional about it and like because of that i like let it guide my what do i believe now sure and every time you do acid i think you learn your belief system updates because belief <laughs> system should but lately every time i do it it's just like i'm gonna it's just a lot about like the divine feminine which sounds better when you're on acid for sure yeah. but what i mean but what i do mean by that is like our world and capitalism and like all these things are like blocking us from and alienating us going back to from like our truest highest like sensual sent, sentient like vibrant selves and like acid's just like a place where you can check in and be like oh that's how I am in nature and like for me it's like my own feminine energy is so cut off that like being in devotion to that and like learning about that and being in community with people who support that is like my what I'm what I'm spending my time on and I know in 10 years from now like that could that could I could be moved on or sure, in a month sure. from now but like right now like that's what I'm doing which is being like oh I th- you know, and like it doesn't have anything to do with like a T-shirt that says the future is female. You know, like it's not. It's not that. It's something else. And it's like when people, when I'm talking to like men about it, and they're like feeling a little bit afraid because they don't understand even like how to give a woman an orgasm or like right. they don't understand. Sure. They're so scared of that. Well, yeah, but so I'm like funny I, yeah. that how 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 so much of the belief structure of men is based around penis size. When, if you're thinking about pleasing a woman, it has nothing to do with your penis size because you're going to be using other things anyways. I think that that has to do with listening. It has to do with listening. You know what I mean? And it has to do with their porn. They're like, 
big yes. dicks pound hard and it's like that's not really what the ladies like that's what I guess the guys want to see in porn but I don't think that that's what and then it's not a conquest it's not but somehow it is somehow right. like and if they'd listen and but so much of our society I mean, lasting based, longer like but look at look at our president yeah. he's so anti-woman and so <sighs> horrific and i'm sure it's because he has a tiny peepee and that all of his huge blustering and who he is and trying to be better than everyone else there's so much of this like toxic masculinity yeah. that is all based around their issues with the penis size which has nothing right. to do with us right and that's what it I has think, to do yeah. with them and each other it has nothing to do but they pretend that it's us and it's like no yeah. right that's we want, you right. but i do think women have like this this ability like in and i'm like it's not my job but to like change red pill energy like one good sexual energy relationship at a time and i like i don't like Maybe I'm just like attracted to red pills is what I'm trying to say. And I'm sorry. But like, I'm always like, I can change you by being like, like by helping you update, like being your sex educator is it's so weird that I'm on this trip right now, but I'm just like, I'm not going to like hook up with somebody who's already like woke about it sometimes because they're harder to find. And I'm just like, okay, I'll work on you. Ah, it's, But I think it's possible. Like, that's why I think like the work is, is being like, is being like, okay, like I am going to shift what you think sex is about you know like uh. stop buying condoms that are like gonna make you last longer and just like chill you know what i mean i don't know sure i don't know like i think like there's this like well but that's in relationship i'm saying like it can be political and like i haven't learned where my reach is in being like feminine energy being political even if we have like the women's march and like it's so much inner zeitgeist like for me it's like in relationships still i'm still working sure. on it in a very internal personal way yeah yeah well, that's why I decided, I mean, I'm dating a guy who's, I mean, for six years I've been, we've been together, but he's 11 years my junior. And it's much, I think, easier because, I don't know, the generation behind me was much more open mm -hmm. about how they viewed women and sexuality, whereas the people my yeah. age are, I don't know. I Just like being open I, to worshiping, like I think... Is that a weird thing to say? Which no, is like, no, I think that's great. Which is like somebody, even maybe it is generational, and it's also like somebody looking at you, who's eleven years your junior, and being like, I, I worship you, like I honor, I respect you, and like it's so. We are not taught in our society that that's a value in relationship right. from a man to a woman, which sure. is actually like the glue, the glue to relationship. I think is like a man really worshiping, like. And worship is like a word that I've, I've asked my friends about this kind of in conversation and they're always like, gee, that's weird. Like, <laughs> no, like, that's like it's weird, but I, I don't know. I think because the word worship is loaded, but I do still stand by what I'm saying, which is like, I, how do you worship? It's like you listen, well, like, they listen and respect. I yeah. think that the guys have a lot of uh, reparations to pay to women for the misogyny over right. the years. But I mean, when I was married, um, and I'm on the tail end of this generation, yeah. but with the Christianity and with yeah. marriage, I was taught that marriage is a contract where you give your consent. Once you're married, 100% consent for your husband. Yeah. Y you, if he wants to have sex, you should be having sex with him because he wants it and because you already got married. So that's 100% consent. Was this like explicitly or like implicitly like... Um, I think that it was explicitly religiously set up, but then implicitly within that marriage. I don't think we ever had a conversation that was like, but we both came from the same Christian right. religious upbringing. So 
and I'm saying, and, and this is the tail end. Again, I'm I'm like Gen Xer. I was born in '74, yeah. so I'm on the tail end of sort of that generation. That I mean, I was born when Roe v. Wade. Like I was, yeah, I was by choice. Yeah. <laughs> my my mom had me because she wanted me. She didn't have to. She because she didn't have to. It was that time, um, which is great. But uh, there, w- women, we didn't have a lot of. I'm at the beginning of sort of like, ah, oh, we're, we are, pe- women are people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> women are people. Yeah. Where it used to be that we were things and we were owned and, yeah. and in a marriage, that was, that's what that I mean, meant. there's, I've been to weddings still um, in Christian and Jewish and really every denomination where there's like a pastor who's binding them and they're like, you found yourself Obey. like, like they yeah like they the obey the obey the contract message in the marriage mm-hmm. i think that's still pretty pretty rampant in like little small towns in michigan where i'm from sure. like i've seen these weddings and it's sort of like um you will serve your husband and that's what this marriage is about like making him be the best man he can be and being a fam like making him have a family sure so like i still think it's there and it's good that there's like options and you can run away to the big city like i was doing a show the other night and I had a weird heckler and he was just like comment you know when people think it's a conversation with you and them right right and then at the end of the show he was just like thank you Gaula and I was like he said my name and I was like I could tell right away I was like uh, how do you how do you know how to say my name and he's just like redemption and then he translated it and I was like all right like where'd you come from you know what I mean like it was a weird like like hello, I don't know why I just yeah. got into that or why I read, what, what 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 made me think of that. Um, but that there's that he felt th- entitled to your stage time when you were on stage and doing jokes. He felt that it was his choice and his ability to talk, yeah, and to fucking heckle you because he knew he had, me because he had something to say. Fuck that guy! Yeah. It's your fucking stage time. Yeah, Fuck yeah, that yeah, guy. Yeah. And then I think he How felt comfortable. That, that, that makes me crazy when people are entitled to heckling. That's not what this is about. You because. You're sparking ideas in his head. You you clap or you laugh. That's how it works as an audience. And I felt like he felt entitled because we grew up in a similar Orthodox Jewish community, and right. he was like, "Oh, like like I'm I get to talk to her now. Like I yeah. get to insert myself into her life and know her and like show up and like not give her space or right. you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know, but it's an entitlement thing. Ugh. Jerk. Yeah, 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 yeah. But comedy has been a place where it like resonates with my values when it's done right and i'm not always doing it right either but at its best it's like radical individualism it's like the divine feminine has an opportunity to shine and i'm working on like how do you bring your full self onto the stage but like comedy in a weird way is like is like a way that i'm expressing like my values now yeah because it's like I don't know. It's like speaking your truth. And like, sometimes I'm off. Like you're not, I'm not always like doing it in like my highest ability or expressing something that the world needs. A lot of it's bullshit, but like ideally. And when I see other comics doing it right, like, like not saying something that I've heard before, you know, when you hear a comedian say something and you're like, I've never thought of that. It's like, for me, it's like this explosion of like, there's an individual, like there's somebody thinking like when you can see that in real time with a comedian, I'm just like, like that's my religion. Like um, I worship that moment for sure. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. True. Like, well, it's that's your material is just a window, a lens for the audience to see your true self. Yeah. It's like, so, and that's I, what we're somebody supposed I, to be. Somebody I heard was saying like, your art is your, what is it? She said it better, but it's like your propaganda. Ah, like, um, sure. 
and that was like a really cool thing being like i could draw No, seriously. You're, like, you're, 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 you're basically on a propaganda radio. Yeah, your art expressing pro- your propaganda and like constant propaganda. Propaganda is like also a word that's loaded, but it's a good word. We it should. We be? all have our own sure. propaganda. Absolutely. Just make sure your propaganda. You live in a world where your propaganda is. I don't know. It ma- matches my values. Yeah. I don't want to push any propaganda that doesn't match my match or my take values. on propaganda that. Right. Like, yeah. I don't racist rhetoric, terrible stuff. What did you bring here? You brought some Detroit primer. Oh no, what is just, this? I just I have like oh, I had it's your, notes. Oh, it's your notebook. I like I'm not. Oh, I so was like, is, what is that? Thing? So this is my Bible. <laughs> this is it's shit that I write when I'm stoned. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What did I write? Yeah, I I just was like, what if I don't have anything to talk about? So I'm just gonna. I did. I talked about. I talked about the things that that were on my brain. The people should know there's a baby in the room too, and he hasn't been. So quiet. It hasn't been even affected by our our, our yeah. vocal uh, utterances. I'm not gonna have children because they wouldn't come out like this. But he's <laughs> the perfect child. Like my my child would be it'd be broken. So <laughs> I just I I was gonna. I mean I I can't have kids. Well now I'm too, too old to have them. It would be irresponsible. But uh, I could never afford them. And yeah. I had an abortion. My last abortion was when I was like 39 or something. Mm-hmm. And we thought about it like geez, you know, what are we going to do? We're going to have a kid, me and my now boyfriend. And he was still in his 20s at the time. And I was like, I'm not going to ruin your life with a uh, baby. And what are we going to, we're going to raise a baby in my studio apartment, like please, what I'm going to take it with me to, yeah. to comedy and to the, right? no, I'm not going to. But I was thinking about putting it, uh, a GoFundMe up for the Christian right and saying, I will have this baby if you guys oh raise me a million dollars. If you raise me a million dollars before the second trimester, that I will not have an abortion. I will That's take radical. this money because yeah. it takes it takes a million dollars to raise a kid. I, I'm not having them. I'm like not. I'm having not I can't afford one. Like I would. I'm an, I'm an, I, my yeah. nanny too, and I love kids, and yeah, I love hanging same. out I with other that. people's kids. You give them back. Yeah. When you're a mom, nobody pays you to hang out with their baby, and there's no 401k, and there's no social security. You don't get social security. You can stay at home and be a stay-at-home no, it's mom like forever. You're, what, you're feed your baby peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Like yeah, what, what are you gonna? Do? But there's no there's no. It's not that we don't value it as a real job. We don't give it any, like, we don't have any, you don't get anything for being a mom, but you get stuff for being a nanny. Um, Yeah, which is great. Which is great. And I love being, but I honestly couldn't afford, and I've never felt, well, I did when I was back, when I was rich and I was married, I was like, I could definitely afford to have kids. But that's why the institution of marriage, like, it's weird, but I'm like, it makes sense because you have like this benefactor that's going to let you do the baby thing. And it's like the weirdest thing, but it's like this construct, like, makes sense for like the continuation of humans and I'm always looking for alternative like family structures like I I've been obsessed with it forever like intentional communities sure. that are like you don't have to actually make one you could be queer like I love and then there's like people who do like really crazy things which is you know like have a bait have a surrogate in Ukraine or like an egg from Ukraine with like a woman from Nepal carrying your baby. And then I'm like, okay, like, wow, like, calm, like, calm down. Like how badly do you need a baby? Like, yeah, right. you know what I mean? And so it gets a little bit convoluted, but I'm also just like, yeah, the baby thing. Uh, I haven't like told, but I mean, I, my parents like know that I'm not going to have any, but like, it was just so expected growing up. And sure. Then, yeah. Me too. Definitely. Uh, yeah. yeah. Get married, have babies. I, I like fur babies. You, how old were you when you got, when you got married for the first time? 25. Yeah. And then I um, got divorced when I was 32. So, um, but I met him when I was 19. So we were together. Wow. We were together from when I was, for 13 years, from when I was 19 to when I was 32. Um, and I 
don't necessarily regret any of that time, excepting that my life would have a bit, I would have gone in so many different directions if I wouldn't have been in that relationship. And I, so, I mean, I didn't start stand up till I was 36. Right. So I can imagine if I had not been yeah. in that relationship, I might've started a more of the performing arts at a younger age. Yeah. Yep. There was just kind of this dead zone where I was married and I did, you know, married stuff. And yeah. and and that was, I mean, it, it was what it was. Yeah. And, and I wouldn't be who I am now without without that. And I, I recognize right. that. But I often lament like, ugh, if I wouldn't have been placating his whims and his desires and helping him get through veterinary school and supporting him and his career and all of that. If I wouldn't have been doing that, instead I'd been putting the intentions on myself. I yeah. could be a completely, it, it could have been a completely different thing. One of my years. favorite people that I, I'm one of, it's Jill Soloway right now. She wrote like Transparent. and oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. And she talks about this a lot. She went through two marriages and now she's, she's dating Hannah Gatsby and she's like, she wrote a book and like, uh, yeah, she talks about like what you could do if you weren't placating a man. Yeah. And she talks about that so strongly, which is like, I mean, it's, it's hard to hear it from her because she has kids and went through two marriages and like got to be like a hot young thing. And now she's like in her fifties and like dating Hannah Gatsby. And it's like, she didn't have to like give up heteronormative privilege mm. in a way, which is like, I, I am like, I, I'm giving up my twenties to like do my art or like every relationship fails because of comedy and like I, I, <laughs> no and like I and like it's I won't pretty much true yeah I'm, and I'm lucky and I'm that my 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 significant other really loves comedy and is really supportive of what I'm doing yeah. and doesn't care that I have a lot of jokes that are specifically yeah. about him exactly it's no it's I think it's that, possible yeah I mean I was even I performed two weeks ago at the sweet spot at the at the strip club and I took my pants off and my underwear and just to show yeah. my super seventies bush to everyone. <laughs> And like I showed everyone, like I don't shave. And when I showed everybody, they were like, like the guys all lost their minds. They thought it was the grossest thing ever. And I'm like, the body hair, really? I mean, I don't mind. I'll show you guys what's going on down there. You can't see anything. There's so much hair. What is the purpose of it? I don't know. But it had a purpose. It has a biological purpose. It must. Otherwise, why? And then why do we fetishize the lack of it? That shows like in a strip club. It's in a strip club. Like those women are like. But like, not they don't have a bush. They have nothing on. Not, so right. there was the funny thing is the two strippers and a porn star. Actually, the porn star live streamed me and I got a bunch of views on her thing because she was like, "This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Look at her butt!" Like they just thing. couldn't believe that I was doing jokes and standing up there with no. I just had my and I had my pants like, just around my ankles. The porn industry was just like pirated by like how women wanted to see porn. Like right. I just fantasize about that. Be, you know, like yeah. I mean, men would still jack off to it. Like, sure. it wouldn't change the industry that much. I don't know. It's just, yeah. It's it's <laughs> it's funny to me how we fetishize. I know sexuality and how what's hot and what's not. Why why did we all why did we all decide that sha- being shaved is a thing? Because of Gillette. It's because of razors. It's about consumerism. It's about selling things to. Hey, because you know what? Men all used to have beards, and then all of a sudden, 1904, Gillette, all oh, this new razor company. Now, if you don't shave your beard, then you're a disgusting freak. You're a hobo. You're gross. The thing that shows that you're a real man and that you have money is that you shave every day. And they made that into a cultural norm. Yeah. That first it was being having a beard means. You're you're rugged and you're a farmer and you don't have time to do that because you're taking care of your family and you're homesteading. Yeah, but then suddenly that's bad and you have to shave in order to be 
a real man who takes care of their family. Women couldn't flash a hairy ankle in 1904, but obviously Gillette wanted to sell some fucking money in the 60s, and they said, ooh, no more nylons. Women shave. Women shave what? They shave their legs? What? Like, this is a consumeristic-based fetish that now is rampant. I mean, and it's like the more money you have to play with, the more cosmetic things you do. Like, um... And I'm not shaming any of it. It's just playing into like, do you have to get your eyebrows shaved off and then retattooed on? Right. Like, do you have to? Do you have to? Yeah. And it's just like, um, there's so many things. And like my friends who do live in those communities, um, especially like in gendered sort of like Jewish communities, like they do, like they do feel like they have to do things that are like kind of invasive and like, yeah. I don't know. Nose jobs. <laughs> the nose job thing was huge. My friend, when she was 16, she broke up with her boyfriend and her parents' solution was... Get a nose job? Get a nose job. Wow. Yeah, and her sister, who's like 30-something, um, just has done so much plastic surgery. Ugh. And she like kind of rebelled and was like, I'm done with plastic surgery. But her parents paid for her all her sister's plastic surgery. And it's just like, <laughs> you're going to be happy. And her sister is like single still with all the plastic surgery. And they're like, just get one more plastic surgery. Like You'll be you'll fine. And then it. you'll be loved. Because yeah. if, as long as you're pretty enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just have a hot rack and don't look Jewy, and then you <laughs> no. don't look too Jewy. Don't, look, don't too look too Jewy. This guy after a show the other night. Um, oh, I just heard myself. <laughs> um, he was like, "You're driving San Francisco crazy." I'm like, oh, "Excuse me." He's like, "We don't know if we should call you pretty or handsome." What? <laughs> and I was like, I didn't say anything. I and then like, now I'm turning into a bit. I'm like thinking about it. I'm just like. Um, because it's all about the way you look and it wouldn't have anything to do with your intelligence or your cleverness or, or your like, creativity because it's all based on how you look because that's the only value or worth a woman has in our world is if she's skinny and pretty and that's yeah. when we listen to her so that we can impregnate her so she'll make pretty babies. But I got this a lot and it's just like what they're not asking themselves is do I find this person attractive? They're saying <laughs> does society find this person attractive? Right. And it's like every time these guys I've gotten this a lot and it's like this is the way this guy's hitting on me. He personally thinks I'm attractive, but instead of just coming over and being like, I think you're attractive or like doing that in like a cool way, which is like, tell me about yourself. Um, <laughs> instead of them hitting on me, they're like, eh, handsome. Are you know what I mean? Nagging like, I, you. It's the nagging. It's thing. the nagging thing. And then I'm just like, uh, you, if you were looking for something non-gendered, you can call me ugly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't mean, I didn't mean that. Something like, non-gendered. That's very funny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll say wow. that. But, um, That's a good joke. Thanks. Um, but I, it's like these guys, they give you the material, you know, they, they really do. They certainly. Really do. Absolutely do. Uh, I, Believe, believe in yourself. Believe, yeah. Well, and and it, it it took it's taken so much work for me to, and and I hate to say this, but uh, so much value was put on that I'm not ugly and that I'm pretty and that everything will be okay because I'm pretty and the, and it's like poor little rich girl, the crown of beauty is so heavy, but I mean, it sucks it to feel it sucks to feel that the value that as a child I was told well thank goodness you're pretty because you're certainly opinionated you know you certainly have you're certainly very loud and have a lot to say good thing you're pretty and you know how to cook because that's what a man is going to want out of you because they certainly don't want a woman with opinions or things to say oh yeah which is like what but that we that so much of our societal worth is put upon our physical appearance yeah. is fucked up and yeah and I think I think 
I feel, <laughs> I feel like a freedom from it and always have because, especially when I was younger, like I was pretty, um, like six feet tall, like by the time I was like 15 with like glasses and braces, like I wasn't like getting it in, in like a healthy way, let's just say. And it like was liberating. Like I, I did feel obviously like part of me wanted it too. And like, I, I've, you know, I have relationships, but learning and like, I've learned, had more language around it now, but like not pandering to the male gaze all the time ah, because uh-huh. I can't win anyway right, was right, something right, right, that right, I learned. Right, right. That was my message from a young age was like, you're not gonna you're not gonna be the pretty girl and like so you how you're liberated to just like be like the ball buster is she is she gay anyway kind of thing which i found to be like a world that i love to play in now which is why i like lean into my androgyny and like um it works it 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 feels healthy for me then i'm just like you can come be a guest in my life if you'd like, but I'm not catering to your whip. The, yeah, the, I mean, the male gaze. And that's where the shaving comes in, and that's where the makeup comes in, right. and that's where the dying of the hair. Like, okay, hair dye. Um, we all decided as a group that gray hair is gross. What did that? Showing your age, showing your wisdom and your experience is somehow gross. Like, and that we change yeah. our, our daily, our, the way that we you know, uh, what is it? They call it hygiene, but it's like dyeing your hair has nothing to do with hygiene. No, please. It's bad for you. It makes your hair all fine. And as, Hey, I, I'm losing enough hair as it is. Yeah. I'm not going to dye it and make it all different. I mean, but what, I mean, that's another thing about our society. Aging is gross. I was going to like, say what's that. wrong with aging? Yeah. What's wrong with like having the yeah. experience and knowing more. I mean, it's, but getting old is gross. And there was another thing, like as a woman, I've talked to some guys who are my age. And again, they'll say, you know, I just don't find women who can't have babies attractive anymore. I just, I really don't want to have sex with women where having a baby isn't a possibility. And I'm like, why is that a thing? He's like, well, I just don't think women are hot unless they can get pregnant. I don't I know. Love, like, I love announcing. It's just biological. Yeah. And I'm like, Ugh. oh, really? Ugh. Oh, yeah. And and this guy is, he's my age and he's an aging, he's a doctor. And so it's like, that's the thing is yeah. it just becomes, well, I'm an old guy with money, so I'm just going to fuck 26 year olds because right. that's what I can right. do. Right, right, Because right. I'm a man with money and that's my privilege. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> I believe, I believe in feminism as equality. I'm an old lady. I like fucking younger guys. Absolutely. I've always wanted to be with a young hot guy, and now I am. He's 11 years my Hell junior, yeah. and that's feminism. That's equality. But if you're pay- if you're playing your whole life into the say like this male gaze thing of looking a certain way, and then all of a sudden you're in your late 30s and. It, it didn't happen for you, maybe because you were like a little radical and like went to law school or something. Then suddenly you don't know what your worth is because nobody's giving it to you. And right, then it's being right. like, it's like, how do, that's what I want to see the change in it being like, this is like, I mean, and I, there's plenty of spaces and plenty of media now. I think if you look for it, it's not mainstream yet, but like where being in your 50s as a woman, whether or not you had kids, is very valuable. I mean, Terry Gross is one of my biggest role oh, models. And like, she, I've heard her talk about her decision not to have kids. And she's like, women maybe nowadays could do it. She's like, I wouldn't be here. You wouldn't know me if I had kids. Sure. And I, I like heard that maybe when I was like in my early 20s. And it, it like seared into my brain. Sure. Like what these women um, accomplished and what sacrifices they had to make for the cause of women being able to accomplish things and being a role model to me, sure. you know, 
and I don't I don't know if like some of the other women that I look up to like I don't know what their family structures are like like I don't know if Tina Fey has kids or whatever <laughs> but like right. I I don't I don't know I don't know anything about her family but I just know that like she fucking did it and uh am I allowed to say the F word yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely we are was not that the first time I said no it? no I've been I've been fucked okay, okay cool. um yeah I don't know but um yeah, female, yeah. Role female role it's, models. It's crazy when people can still have a career and have kids, but what that means is that they have money. Oh, absolutely. Because it's the only way to do it is to have a really good nanny. Like, if you... <laughs> I'm an extension of the mom, and I've talked to her about this very openly, and I'm just like, it's an act of feminism that I'm here, like, basically, like, feeding your child from five days old. She went back to her company after five days. Wow. And her company is, is enabling women to work. She's making just, like, an whatever high-end breast uh formula supplement company so it's like her whole thing is like women being able to push out kids but not having to actually be right present. no high-end formula actually yeah. that's you know that a lot of american formulas have corn syrup in them yeah so it's which it's, is insane because we because, just we're feeding them corn syrup from the time they come out it's crazy because fda regulations um to make it say baby formula have to go through like really expensive really extensive studies and the only companies that can afford it are these giant ones that do put corn syrup. If you get formula in the hospital that has corn syrup in it, uh, the baby right now, this is goat milk formula. He actually doesn't like the goat so much, but um, it's 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 from Germany. Yeah, that's yeah, the Germany stuff. I was when I was dealing. You with know this, this stuff. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know yeah, this yeah. stuff. Yeah, real real milk for real babies. Uh, and you just have to powder it. And no, that's 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 great. That. Yeah. I mean, and it's it's all. I mean, she, it's like what? I mean, she's in a different. She's like. She has millions of dollars in investment backing her up in this company. So she's like at a totally different playing field than like the average person. But it's coming from the same line of thinking as like women supporting women. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. And I think being her nanny is like a weird thing. I was like, I don't want to have kids because I want because of a lot of reasons. And then here I am taking care of someone else's kids. But it's my livelihood. So it's like this weird thing where it's like it. No, it's it's empowering. Yeah. You have. I mean, you're using your maternal instincts for financial gain exactly great i love that yeah no i i that's it's been my bread and butter for a long time before i before the station i've always always dealt in childcare. and people have always said well why aren't you a mom and it's like i don't have enough money no and i mean i've i've you know what not that any of my novels have been successful but i've written like eight of them and two of them have been published and i don't think i'd ever have the time to write novels I, if i had my own kids i wouldn't be able to do stand-up right. comedy right i wouldn't be able to have you know a podcast radio station and it's like There's- the ability versus like what does it mean to you because even if you even if you were able to do these things, there's a comp- there's just so much compromise in the creativity. I just wouldn't have the time. Like you have to, like even like putting them in school and getting them shots and like, like oh, I yeah. have a kitten and that's enough vet bill. I mean, you have to do so much with a baby and your whole life just is gone. Like you, the baby is the, I mean, yeah. your children yeah. are, yeah. are now live in your stead. Absolutely. It's, um, it's it's crazy stuff. So, uh, will you, it sounds like the baby's awake and you're gonna have to start working again. We'll uh, finish up with: Do you believe in an afterlife? Um, this is a good at, like acidy kind of answer, which is like um, the like the short of it is is no. I believe in like even the word like legacy is like or like living on after death has to do with like what you put in and like will you be talked about after you die it's kind of like it's kind of like that and so i don't i don't believe 
when the baby cries, I can't think. Um, no, I understand. Gaula Finman here on Some Call Me Tim, mutinyradio.fm. There's baby in the room. That's cool. Yeah. He just woke okay. up from nap. It's all good. Goat milk in his mouth. Goat milk in his mouth. Um, afterlife. Um, I, and I believe, okay, here's what I'll say about this. That the heaven and hell is all on earth. And those things, that's why we can believe in them because they're things that our brains can can conjure because we live on this planet. And hell is social repercussions for your actions. Ooh. And this and, is some Jubu kind of stuff. Some oh, Ju- totally. Ju- but like Judaism, the guilt. Buddhist this is how together. I resolved it. It's like it's a Jubu. I believe in, in it's like karma is a good word for it. But like when I like talk shit about somebody, like which is something I do. Really? I, I do. I, I do. I sometimes like rant about somebody when they do something wrong. Like it always comes back to me. And so like I've learned like try to like confront people and talk to them about it because talking to them ab- behind their back is something like I learned is like a bad deed. But also like the hell of it, like the sin is that you're going to feel distant from your community if you do it. Sure. So like the, the idea is like if you steal, you're losing connection. And like what do we want? We want connection. And hell is social isolation. And so like be a good person and you'll have social connection. Sure. Heaven is like really yummy social connection. And hell is like I'm, I'm alone. I'm going to die alone. Right. Yeah, that's heaven and hell. Hell is Facebook or Instagram. Yeah, it's it's yeah. everyone else doing better than you all the time and putting it in your face. It's limbo. Yeah, it's they're like, oh, my life is so much better than your life. Your life is alone and sad. It's just like you're pressing your face against the glass of someone else's family. Yeah, yeah it's terrible. Um, I got it. And I'm addicted. Facebook. I'm so addicted to it, and I perpetuate it. Really? My friend. I tried to tag you on the Instagrams, and it didn't work. I'm there. I tried. I Gigi looked. snaps. Gigi oh, snaps. Oh, yeah. I put you, in your name, and usually it. Picks oh, no. up with something and it didn't. It didn't. No, I'm Gigi Snaps, and my Instagram stories are full of me drinking baby formula in my coffee right now. That's so really funny. Disgusting. It's like keto, and then it's like it, it actually like it came out as like a a necessity. I was like, I want to put cream in my coffee, but I never do. And then I was like, what happens if I put designer formula in my coffee? And it tastes like shit, but I did it anyway. And then I was like, oh, this is like not weirder than what keto people are doing, is it? If you think about it, no, it's not that weird. It's well, it's, weird. I have the joke about um, breast milk, beer, cheese, or making TH Yum. cheese. Like I, I've never had a baby, but I want to be able to pump my own breast milk because I eat and smoke so much weed that my breast milk would oh have weed in it, God, and I could amazing. make TH cheese. That's right? Amazing. Yeah. Can I get high off my own? Can supply? we? Do, can we get like a goat high and then? I was wondering about this. Cows and goats. Can we get them high? What if we fed cows yeah. marijuana? Yeah. If we fed them trash weed, like, like would the, they have the CBD? Stems, yeah. Could we make could we make them have CBD in their milk? I think so. Because I think so too. Yeah, I, I've thought about. I actually, I thought about years ago going to my ex husband went to Davis, and I was like, oh my god, I should go to Davis and feed goats weed, and then see if we can make t- CBD goat milk. That's great, right? Yeah, I know. Someone must be doing it up there because I couldn't think of it. There's got to be parallel things. Do you think if one. you like force feed a goose weed that the foie gras will will be THC full. That would be exciting. That I mean Well, cuz it's fat soluble and it's and that's why it goes mm-hmm. in the milk. That's interesting. That would be so expensive. It'd be so delicious. Yeah. I love foie gras. Sounds I have so- no I have no <laughs> compunctions, no moral compunctions about eating fatty goose or duck liver. Do you have like a product placement recommendation for folks where they should Um yeah, I I recently me. went to my one of my best friends is a wealthy person and so she took me to foreign cinema for dinner. Uh-huh for my birthday and I for dinner had the foie gras because it, it was a it was an appetizer it was a small Dang. plate but I was like I'm gonna get the foie gras for dinner and yep. they're like that's that's all you're gonna get for me I was like well we've been eating all these other tapas and things but so I just sat and ate foie gras for dinner I and love foie gras I love love and love, you would love, probably love, like love, a little love. more if it had THC in it absolutely yeah well and 
You can get um, You can go to Whole Foods And you can get a whole lobe But it's really expensive But they also have a, a foie gras terrine Which is pretty good In their cheese section um, Huh Yeah A lot of times It's it's rare to find it with um, Specifically goose or duck A lot of people will add Chicken And um, And um, Water and, and pork Liver down Yeah uh, Different kinds of liver Being it pork or chicken To your duck or goose But duck or goose is the best Yeah I really love food. I'm hungry. Yeah, I am too. Uh, The baby's eating. Everything's good. So uh, we've pretty much, is there anything else you want to, how about give the people a little, uh, where can they see you soon performing? Um, I will be, I don't remember the names of the shows. I just remember the people who booked me on their shows. Tell tell me who it is and I'll probably know the show. Uriah's show's coming up on Saturday. Oh, where's that? Is that that at a copyright? Oh. You know, I I don't remember. I'm so. It's a he's part of the bomb shelter crew, right? Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's in the other side of the bay. It could be in the east bay somewhere. Oh, okay, all right. But if you follow me on Instagram, I always post in my stories, and that's like, that's that's like as extent of my as my self pushing I'm doing right now. Gotcha. Or on Facebook, um, but I don't I don't know. Yeah, Instagram is like for strangers, and then Facebook is like for people I already know. Mm. So if we already met, you find me on Facebook, and then Gigi Snaps is my is my Instagram handle. If you have a better idea for what my Instagram handle should be. You can you can shout out, Gigi Snaps, <laughs> and I'm I'm performing at, at um is it in March the comedy festival I'm super yeah. excited to show up for that and host the show that about came up with your own theme yeah you have a lot of people interested in it too it's okay. so funny because as I've all the people from out of town I've told them these are the shows and this is the time and stuff and there's some shows that people just as a theme haven't even jumped on at all and there's some of them that like everybody wants to be on that show and so I'm gonna have to go through some of the hosts and be like I'm sorry nobody likes your theme can you pick a different theme please yeah people (laughs) people like talking about their family it's like when sometimes I'm in a mic and somebody's like I don't know what else to talk about I'm like talk about your mom like I just want to I just love hearing about people's families I loved hearing you talk about your family today (laughs) I'm a my family is like part of me like they're part of my psyche and it's just suddenly people are speaking their truth when they're talking about their moms you know what I mean absolutely so that's kind of like the show. It's like, I just, I want people to do jokes. Like I want punchlines in there for sure. But like, I'm also just like drooling when people just like tell me their weird family shit. Well, And I mean, all the people who, I mean, I had to say no to a lot of people, which was really, really hard. Wow. It was really hard. Um, but everyone who's on there, on there this year, I think they're really good. I know. It's so like, exciting. I saw their, I saw their, I, I mean, I didn't let people in unless I, actually laughed at their videos like i had to laugh out loud at people's videos and Thank if you. i did that then i was like eh, they're men as long as i laugh out loud um but there are some people that like i just couldn't i couldn't hear them or there were many reasons why i there were a couple people where their videos were just so poorly produced that all i could hear was the clinking tinking yeah. of glasses and people talking and the longer you're the in the jokes. game the longer you'll have an opportunity to put out a stellar video comics but just keeps Keep trying to have your friends hold your iPhones. Yeah, I don't keep know. and some of those, some of them were iPhones and they were just fine. Yeah. But some of them, like people hold the iPhones, but then they're talking so loud or like they're laughing oh super loud God. at certain jokes. It's like have the person who's filming you be quiet. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Just yeah, be friends with like a filmy person. Be I don't friends know. with a filmy person. Well, yeah, I'm excited too for the <laughs> festival. It's going to be great. Um, and Mutiny Radio things keep every day hippity hopping along things keep happening merry christmas people sure happy kwanzaa and the hanukkah was fun and all that stuff be because go out be nice to somebody yeah give somebody your time yeah 
Jesus is the reason for the season. Try not to give... If, you, if someone's asking for money, try to give them a sandwich instead because heroin is a killer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Invite them out to dinner. If there's foie gras on the menu, just, just say Just get them the foie gras. Yeah, just get them the foie gras. It'll be good. Yeah. Uh, Kaula, it was great to have you here. Cinnamon, I'll never mispronounce your name again. Uh, redemption. I'll just, just call me Redemption. Just call you Redemption. <laughs> when the open mic's going shitty, I'll be like, can we all redeem ourselves now? Kaula Finman, get up here and be funny. A lot of pressure. Sweet. Well, um, bye. We'll say, what's what's the baby's name? Baby's name is Colin. Oh, Colin. What a nice little baby. Thanks, Aww. Colin, for being so sweet in here today. Uh, this has been some Call Me Tim. Mm-hmm. I've been Pam Benjamin. Uh, you can, every Friday... 8 o'clock, Pam Tassett's Comedy Clubhouse this week. Uh, comics. It's, it's always it's always fun every week, I promise. And this has been Some Call Me Tim. Subscribe to us. Well, you're already listening, so thanks for being here. And, geez. Thanks. Have a great day so working. Much, and, yeah, everybody, this has been Some Call Me Tim. We'll, I won't be back next week because I'm coming back from L.A. But the following week, I actually have Anthony Zaccaro, a really funny comedian he's going to be in. So, all right. Until then, Mutiny Radio listener, go like uh, Mutiny Radio's Instagram because we don't have enough followers. Okay, bye. Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Asiento, take a seat at Asiento on 21st and Bryant. Meet friends for a drink, have delicious tapas and a relaxed community atmosphere. Asiento, honestly, is a wonderful place. They have incredible bartenders and board games all over the walls. Trivia on Mondays, Taco Tuesdays, First Wednesday, live jazz, live DJs Thursday, parties. The food is darn good special happy hour prices all night long with your mutiny radio comedy festival ticket march 1st through 5th check out the schedule at www.asientosf.com come take a seat i had a date there and it did not go well but it wasn't the fault of the place they're very nice asiento 
Hungry for a burger? Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store-bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Everybody should listen to Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things. Subliminal SF visual and auditory mind control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminalsf.myshopify.com. And experience Subliminal SF. Welcome, Bender's Bar and Grill, located at 806 South Van Ness in the Mission District of San Francisco. Your favorite bar with awesome bartenders, rotating local art, and a killer back patio. It's a great place to hang out and play one of their two pool tables or old school pinball machine with a tasty adult beverage. Live music every Saturday for only $5, Bender's brings you face-melting metal and rock and roll. The last Friday of the month, Punk Rock and Schlock delivers super fun karaoke with Aileen. Come on, what's not to like? They even have counter offer inside, frying up the tots with sexy hot burgers for your face. Open every day at 2 p.m. Their happy hour goes till 7 p.m. Benders is proud to be a sponsor of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival because they're an awesome community asset to the dirtbags who keep art alive in the mission. Benders Bar and Grill. Hi, welcome to My Limited View. I am your host, Sergio Novoa. And I'm your co-host, Vanessa Wilkins. Join us every Tuesday from 12 to 2 at mutinyradio.fm as we share stories, our personal stories. And stroke challenges. And we'll also have guests come in and share their stories. And hopefully through all this, we can expand our view. Or your view. Yes, and there'll be plenty of dick jokes, so don't worry. It's not always going to be heavy. Yeah, I might even share black hair tips. Black hair tips. <laughs> don't know anything about it. Sorry. All so, on my limited view. Yes, every Tuesday from 12 to 2. Uh, oh, you can if you can also find us on Apple Podcasts. Oh, yeah, and Google Play. And Stitcher. iTunes. Oh, you already said T- that. TuneIn Radio. Uh, Stitcher, you said that. Spotify. Oh, my God, there's just so many. And Overcast. Um, yes, you can also find us on social media, M as in Mary, L as in Larry, P as in Peter, podcast, MOV podcast is our handle. 
until next time, I hope you're enjoying your view. Yes. Bye. Bye. That kind of sucked balls. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh, shit. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's joke workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> Radio listener, it's that time of year again. March 1st through 5th, it's time for the 4th Annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. Over 40 comics, 25 shows, 5 days, all here at Mutiny Radio, 2781 21st Street at Florida Street. 25 shows, 5 days, amazing comics from all over the United States here in San Francisco to entertain you with 25 differently themed shows hosted by local San Francisco comedians bringing you 
comedians from all over the United States here. Everything will be live, live streaming and podcast post. Get your tickets, $10 a show, 25 shows, a million laughs. It's the fourth annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival brought to you by Benders, Counter Offer and Subliminal SF. Their bulk section is dope AF. I love their their variety. It's two o'clock on a Wednesday. When you hear the trippy music, you know what time it is here on Mutiny Radio. It's time for Some Call Me Tim. All right. Uh, welcome to Some Call Me Tim. Today is 418 to timestamp it for you peeps. 418. It's almost 420. We have Juwan Rubin on the program today yes, to do. talk about what's going on. Juwan, I haven't met you before, but we have friends in common, so I, yes. I trust. I trust that you are. A, 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 if you want to listen, you can. It doesn't matter. I'm. I'm can hear the trippy music behind us. Nice. Uh, so. Yeah, we never met before. We've never met before. Yeah. So but I don't you know. Saw I the post. Know, saw the post on Facebook on Bacon. Uh, bacon is. Uh, I don't want to tell too many people about Bacon because I like to keep it as exclusive as possible. The, uh, the 7,500 people that are yeah. part of Bacon, yeah, it's super exclusive. <laughs> a lot of fucking people. Yeah. And then there's also, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a Google Doc of all the uh, different shows in the area. So if you're a comedian and you want to know what's going on, then go to Bacon and find out, you know, if there's an open mic near you. So, yeah, I saw your post and... Uh, yeah, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm down to do a little bit of radio or whatever we got going on here. I guess yeah. there's a podcast and all that. Yeah, uh, it, we're not we're not terrestrial, but we are on the internet. So, uh, so on this show, the first thing I usually have you do is look deep into the eyes of Sparkle Jesus. All right. And uh, and I ask, do you believe in Jesus? Do I believe in Jesus? I believe I believe there was a, a man historically named Jesus oh. who came from Nazareth. That's historical. That's in, uh, you know, that's in his history books. Uh, as far as everything that's that goes on in the Bible, I also believe that as well. Really? Yes, I do believe the, everything that was going on in the Bible. Like I'm, Noah and the Ark, and yes. Jonah and the whale. All that. All, all that. that. All and right. And so, just to pre- uh, preface this, uh, I am an actual. I am actually a minister. Really? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so this this conversation uh, of, of, will of, be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I I used to be a religious zealot. What does so, that mean? Um, I was I was one of the kids. I was on fire for Jesus as a child. Oh, like, you're a Jesus. Freak. I was a Jesus freak. I was <laughs> I went to Christian school. I was I was all about my 33 year old invisible friend that I got to talk to all the time. Nice. Solving all, solving all my problems. Nice. <laughs> uh, but I went I went to I mean I was in a Christian school for kindergarten through seventh grade and uh, really involved in the church until uh college so okay I what know happened in college stories. well uh <laughs> yeah so what happened was 
we got had turned a, out. Huh? Well, we had a big. We had a, and I was no, I was a, I was a virgin until I got married. Um, okay. I mean, I was very like I didn't want anybody to see me naked. That was weird. Jesus shamed me into okay. that whole into not getting an STD. Thanks, Jesus. High five. High five. Um, on so, that oh, it's great. But um, we had a mega church kind of in a very rich town, and our pastor, who we revered and thought was this amazing person. Um, he basically was sleeping with all the women that he was having one-on-one counseling with. Wow. And so he would be on the pulpit and he would talk about his three children and his wife and how much he loved them and all this wow. stuff. And then he was having sex with like, they didn't know if it was, it was between nine and 18 women. Wow. Who were all, and he was like saying, he was sort of using God as a way to get them to do it. Like I have to help, I, like I'm the go-between between you and God. And it was Gross. kind of like, right, terrible, right? <laughs> so when that happened, like my whole world just shat. I was like, everything I believe in is lies. Wow, it took us one guy having uh, maybe halfway consensual sex with 18 women. <laughs> right, and it was like, but it was that I had been taught to revere <laughs> this person, right? Like. And so it just, for me, that was rough. Yikes. I'm so sorry that had to happen to you, you know? I mean, it was, but I'm a much, I'm much better as like a crazy feminist than I was as a, as a religious zealot. I was annoying. I was like one of those, like walk up to you in the mall and be like, you need, is your life going to be, are you going to be saved by Jesus Christ? Like, is everything going to be okay with you? Like, I'm worried about you and I don't want you to go to hell. And so for God's love, the world, he gave his only begotten son and we should talk. And people are like, whoa, on fire for Christ. Get out of here. Nice. Nice. But that was, you know, I don't do that anymore. You don't do that anymore. So, so that was the defining moment for you. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. What, what do you want to know? Uh, well, I mean, mean, whatever, what makes you, oh, so you, you believe that like God exists and has a plan for your life and that yes. you're a tool in his ca- toolcase toolkit. Like sure. I want to know what, like how you, well, so, with- well, let's, let's start at the very beginning. Okay. So the very beginning in the beginning, you know, God made heaven and the earth. So we have to define who God is first. So I think what happens is um, a lot of people. So, I, okay, so let's go a little bit further back. So Plato, right? Uh-huh. Plato was a, a, a philosopher, the uh, the, f- the founder of all science really right now, right? And what he said was that the word doesn't matter. It's not the word that matters. It's the idea behind the word Whoa. that is re- that's real. The words aren't real. Words are the way that we communicate with each other. But the idea. So if I t- if I say uh, if I say the word chair, you might think of something that has a back with four legs, right? But a horse also has a back with four legs, right? Right. So it's really what goes into your mind. And so what happened was now fast forward, Hollywood. Uh, basically gave us images of who God is because there's because in the Bible it says no one has ever seen the face of God nobody has right right uh, Moses saw a burning bush a couple other people saw visions or whatnot but then no one's ever seen the face of God no living person and so when you think of the idea of God, uh, Hollywood has kind of painted him as this big, you know, white guy with gray hair in the sky. Right. 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 The Zeus kind of thing. Yeah. The so Zeusian God. I think that's kind of where it came from. Right. Is they try to, you know, make it make sense. But really, if you the, the idea of God is that he's omnipresent, he's everything. Everything is God. Me, I'm God. You're God. This, you know, the walls are God. Everything is God. Right. And so from there the space between atoms right 
the space between atoms. Because that's like, that's the weird thing is, is you're sitting in a chair. Right. But that chair is basically a bunch of empty space. Right. Because if you look on the, you know, cellular level and atomic level, right. there's all this space in between these things that are moving around, yet that's a chair. Definitely. So it's like the space... Yeah, right. and I actually, I have a book on my website, juanrubin.com. Um, so in my book, I talk about this, where it's that God is just a life force. And you oh. can call it whatever you want. I may call it God. You may call it God. Somebody else might call it the force. Somebody else might call sure. it Mother Mother Nature. Someone else might call fate. it Allah. You know, fate. You know, sure. whatever. These, these, these are just words that we attach to the idea. Did, now, I, 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 this is a technical question, but in Revelations, uh, John, in his visions never saw god he saw the beast with the six six he no. saw the headed things he saw the he saw crazy stuff a and bear frog or something but and it's funny no um, god. um you know i don't know you might want to google this but most a lot of ministers don't preach on revelations because john the revelator <laughs> john the revelator he was <laughs> he was actually yeah he got cat he got banned right and he was on this island by himself with his servant so he technically didn't write revelation his servant did huh. and he secluded himself in a cave with a bunch of uh, incense and other things going on and that's how he told his his servant to write revelations so a lot of reason why a lot of ministers don't preach out of revelations some do but not a lot of them do because technically john was high he was high yeah <laughs> he was smoking that that cave yeah. fungus some weird cave fungus yeah, that has like that's how he PC saw the visions yeah. sure well and they say that when Jesus, when people try to scientifically reconstruct some of the miracles, and, and now with the legalization of marijuana, what a miracle. But they say that cannabinoids and cannabis were grown at that point. Right. And when the Jewish priests, they would be anointed, they weren't just like anointed with oil, like hit a little on your head. Right. They were like physically dipped in these huge vats of oil that had like all of these herbs and things going on and like yeah. probably cannabis. Yeah, yeah. And so, because India was right there. Yeah. And that, I mean, that was growing around. I mean, it, it, things moved around. We know that there were trading routes and whatnot. Yeah. But so they literally like anoint them. And so they'd yeah. have visions. Yeah, yeah. Because they'd. I don't know, emotionally and physically prepared. Yeah, and that, and I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this, but I mean, nowhere in the Bible is it safe for you not to smoke marijuana. Sweet. Right? Well, it says body's a temple. And yeah, I guess, but smoking but marijuana is, is good for you. That's so, true you know, it's kind of helping your temple. It's not destroying it. Unless you talk about like current carcinogens and all that, then in that case, you do like a vape pen or you sure. do edibles. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing technically a, a wrong with it. It's just, you know, you have these traditions. Like I, I grew up in the Baptist church, so ah. they're very rigid, very uh, conservative. But you're not a Baptist, Baptist minister. I am a Baptist. You minister. are a Baptist minister. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm yeah, I'm licensed through the Baptist church. Wow. <laughs> wow. But I'm a I'm eclectic. My views are very because yeah, you already that's pretty mind blowing with the platonic chair theory, <laughs> and uh, but yeah, so you're a Baptist minister. Yes, ma'am. That's great. So, but you worship. You never swear. You don't. So I do swear. So I mean, okay. so okay, we can go into actual scripture if you want. I mean, like the when Jesus says to refrain from using profanity. If you look up the word profanity, profanity just means any words that you use that will make someone uncomfortable or or, huh. or demean them in any way, huh. right? So if I'm if I'm in a conversation with someone and I know socially it's uh, these are quote unquote cuss words, and actually let's even back up a little bit more. Why are these the f word and the sh word bad words? If you you know 
right? So I had a psychology teacher, he's, he studied linguistics and he told me a story. So I'm gonna tell you this story, okay? It basically goes like this. So in England, right? Cause that's where English comes from. In England, before England was in a country, there was two uh, uh, major tribes and they were at war with each other, right? And so one of the tribes, uh, which we, we can call them English, on their armor during battle, they would write on their armor, fornicate and defecate. Huh. Was basically meant that they were going to rape your women and crap all over your land. Right? right, sure, sure. So in retaliation, the other tribe wrote on their armor the same thing, but in their language, fucka and shitta. Huh. Right. And so needless to say, the English tribe won. And so that became uh, the other tribe became the forbidden language. You weren't supposed to speak that language. Yeah. And so when you talk about like our, you know, Baptist, conservative Baptists, yeah, technically, you know, they they don't cuss. A lot of Christians don't cuss, quote unquote cuss. Uh, but that, that's just a misconception of what, you know, profanity is. Right. right? That's just the for, forbidden language. Well, so if I'm talking. So fast forward. So if I if I'm talking to someone and I know socially it's not acceptable to use those words, then I'm not all, you know, automatically going to use them because I know I might be pro, uh, be profaning them, right? right. Um, however, if I'm in a conversation and someone's dropping an F-bomb, S-H-bomb, then that gives me free range to do it as well because I know it's not going to offend them. Right. And there's also a, a cultural context. When I hear people, when I'm on the bus and somebody has hip-hop music on that has very bad words in it, mm-hmm. I don't say anything unless there's children. And mm. if there's kids, I kind of put like the moral kibosh on it. I'm like, can you put your headphones on? There's kids. Yeah. Like, yeah. just because... Well, that's I don't stupid swear in, in general. They shouldn't be playing music. Well, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't swear in front of children because I don't think it's appropriate. I feel like uh, these are words that we get to use when we're adults because we understand the language and we know how to use them yeah. and we know context. And so I don't want to do them in front of children. Yep. So that's the only reason. So it's it's moral. It's more like an I don't know an integritous ethical stance on swear. But I swear. Oh my god. Yeah. Like, yeah, I do stand-up, so I'm yeah. constantly swearing yeah. and talking about profane and ridiculous ideas. Off top, yeah. yeah. And when I first started doing com- I've been doing comedy for about seven, eight years now. Oh, so wow. When I first started doing it, I wasn't a minister, so I, you know, my comedy is a little more raunchy. And then when I came became a minister, it's like, well, okay, I should clean, probably clean this up, you know, clean up my acts. And sure. it was a very difficult thing to do to, you know, not use profanity and not, you know, not, not go off the cuff with cuss words and even just the subject matters, you know, having to change subject. Matters. Well, when you write sermons, you write a whole sermon every week, right? You write an hour or half hour long speech. For the most part, I either either I write it manuscript or I just write notes. Because you you've got a captive audience. You can if you can write clean material, you can do a thirty minute set every Sunday. That's great. <laughs> Basically, for, twice for two different two different shows. Thirty it's minute like sets. That, yeah. I mean, come on, that's great. It's kind of like that's that. That's super yeah. cool. I mean, but it has to come from the word. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I, but you I, can do, make, I throw jokes in there. I have tons of jokes about feminism in the Bible. Yeah, Ruth and Esther. Let me hear one. Okay, um, <laughs> so you obviously know the Book of Ruth, so I don't have to. Th- there's there's two books in the Bible that are specifically named after women, and so right. I figure Ruth as a feminist, Esther. I yeah. should, you know do a little study into those. So what I learned um, from the book of Esther mm-hmm. is that um, what you have to do as a woman is have a hot rack and not look Jewy. So her name was Hadassah. They're uh. like, oh girl, you got to cut that out. You got to, your name is not Hadassah. Your name is Esther. They basically put her in with the concubines of the king after he, he, he kicks out his queen Vashti because she won't dance around naked in front of his drunk buddies. And then he's like, I'm going to get another hot bitch up in my crib 
And then he's like, you know, change your name. Don't be Hadassah, be Esther. And then she saves the entire Jewish people. How? Is she good at puzzles? Is she like, she's an incredible vocalist. She's an amazing musician. No, she has a hot rack and doesn't look Jewy. That's basically what I learned from the book of Esther. Thank you, God. Nice, I know exactly one. what to do with it. I know exactly what I should do as a feminist. That's um, awesome. Thank you. See, that you get it because oh, you read yeah. the you've read the book. So yeah. when I do that joke, if people don't have any biblical knowledge, they just yeah. look at me blankly. They're like, "We don't care. We don't get it. We have no context yeah, I, for what you're talking about." I wish I had that joke uh, before I was a minister. I did a um, <laughs> I did a fashion show. Uh, I did a um, I did a private show, <laughs> and I did about 15 minutes set. Um, and I actually had dinner rolls thrown at me at this <laughs> church event, you know what I mean? And I, I made the joke, uh, let he who was without sin throw the first dinner roll. And like, they just came flying. I didn't know who threw them. It was, it was an interesting moment because that's I'm like, hilarious. you guys are Christian. What are you doing throwing dinner rolls at me? If you don't like my comedy, that's one thing, but don't, don't, you know, no, that was wow. funny. I, I guess maybe I offended them in some kind of way. So actually, I was a minister at that time. <laughs> this is the thing that this is a strange biblical question about. Um, Jesus oh, gets man. big on people about calling someone fool. Right, so it's right. kind of like that. Just like Proverbs too. It's like that's the super. Is that like the judgiest thing you can do is to call someone else a fool or a foolish? And I'm thinking though, as comedians. Aren't we playing the role of the fool? Or is that linguistically different? The fool that he's talking about is not like the Shakespearean fool. Right, right. Which, like, so is it, which, like, what did he mean by, right. and why did he take such, like, great offense about calling your, like, it was in the Beatitudes, like, don't ever call anyone a fool, it's the worst thing you can do. Yeah, you know, Beatitudes, that's cool. And I'm like, really? Yeah, um, well, first off, you know, uh, it, it, it People get in trouble a lot with scripture because the danger is, is that the King James version or any of these other versions, they're translations. Sure. Right? So as a minister, what I usually have to do before, when I'm getting into a scripture is I have to translate it back to the original language, right? Because depending on where you are, if you're talking about Jesus, then that's the New Testament. So it was written in uh, Arama Aramaic, uh, Aramaic yeah. and Hebrew. And so depending on, you know, what scripture it is, you have to translate it back. So that scripture, I probably have to translate it back to Hebrew just to see what word fool, because he might be, it might be two different types of fools, sure. right? Um, and so uh, that's number one. Number two is um, uh, rem you remember that, you know, we have the Old Testament, the New Testament. At the beginning, God made Adam and Eve and he made them in his image. Right. So uh, when he made them in his image, <clears throat> basically, he made them perfect. Sure. Or at least as perfect as he could uh, in the physical form. And so our our goal as human beings were always to be. A, ref a, f a reflection of God and His image, and almost the perfect being that He is. So when you but when, when you live up to that, exactly. So when you're <laughs> foolish, <laughs> then you're not being you're not on the high wisdom of God. So when mm -hmm. so when Jesus brings up, I'm not 100 percent sure. I haven't studied the scripture, but when He talks about the fool, He's probably talking about the fool in Proverbs because Jesus references the Old Testament a lot, right? So He's probably talking about the fool in Proverbs. When it, the fool in Proverbs, it's always it's always the difference between wisdom, which comes from God, and foolishness, which uh, is not not just that you don't have wisdom. Wisdom, but you don't have knowledge either. Right. Well, and it's, it, there's a, a, a carelessness of thought. It's that it's being, it's foolishness is almost impulsivity because if you were going to think about things, so it's almost like he's warning us yeah. against being 
yeah like, uh, think before you speak think right. before you think do before you but not even just that think and then also pray to god for the wisdom so that you can think clearly but isn't that just an argument for like meditation so that's the thing is Definitely. if you're praying like because when i was little i literally believed that like jesus 33 year old jesus with his little stigmata right. is sitting next to me on my bed <laughs> petting my head and i'm like oh the girls don't like me and he's like it's okay you say everything's cool and i'm like but i don't know why everybody doesn't like me and he's like yeah. if you could just shut up a little bit people might like you a little bit more but jesus I don't. he's like nobody likes to know it all pam come on you know but it it's and the question is as a child was i truly but in my belief that was there like yeah and but that's not that's almost like when i was a child i thought like a child and now i'm a man and i've put childish ways behind me and it's like so does jesus i mean that's so weird for me because it was like i think i was little and i believed that that was real and now i'm an adult and i'm like when we die we're fucking dead like that's it there's right. no there's no 12 mansions in the sky <laughs> there's no riches piling up for me right, it's right. kind of all here yeah well when i first uh before i became a minister for about three years i was really deep into the word and trying to like really uh get right well not to say get right just i was curious enough to really study it right and so that's kind of why i prefaced at the very beginning that you know the the word does doesn't matter it's the idea behind the word right so you know to me i'm praying to god but to someone else they're meditating to to get nirvana but i mean or someone is speaking something into existence as well right you talk about the law of attraction right sure so sure. if you if you say i want this to happen and you you think about it in a positive way the law of attraction says that it'll come your way right now you can make those parallels is that just the universe you know giving you what you asked for because you were thinking about it or or and, and saying it because the law of attraction says you actually have to say it too sure it's the same as as prayers it's pretty much uh, in, in the, the same yeah, realm. yeah yeah well and th the other thing is that like when you're negative and in a bad mood people don't like you and so you probably aren't going to get what you want yeah like the nicer and better and hey jesus turn the other cheek yeah Top. instead of picking up a stick <laughs> or a gun right. you can like empathize and and be calm because nobody can force any reactions out of you yeah it's how we react to the situation and yeah. putting wisdom into your reactions i think that's where yeah. Cause otherwise, because if we're just being reactionary all the time, yeah, then, then what? Then yeah. <sighs> you have to respond, not react. You know, because re reaction is at the very minimum level of physics, right? And we're a little bit above physics because we're sure. able to study physics, right? Un unlike the trees who just adhere to physics and they can't do anything about it, right? <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't. Uh, yeah, they can't study physics. You don't feel just, the wind. You you hear the tree. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's this is a so how old are you? Are you 33? You're a little older. I'm just curious. Uh, yeah, I'm in my uh, 30s. Oh, yeah, because uh, Jesus did all his ministry in his 33rd year, and I think that's very interesting, and specifically that it was just this one year. Oh, crap. And it's yeah. 33 is this great kind of thing. So, uh, my boyfriend just turned 33, and I wanted to have because he's also very religious. Uh, and I wanted <laughs> so to he's have religious, which you're not. No, no, he was. Oh, he's he's also now he's like he's super into punk rock, and he's like, fuck God, punk rock uh, is dope. Yeah, I love but punk um, rock. so at for his 33rd birthday, I wanted to have a party, and he's like, I don't want a party, so I was like, fuck. But I I came up with the ideas for it. It was going to be all Jesus Jesus themed. So I was going to make one called Pearls Before Swine, and they were <laughs> going to be little pearl onions wrapped in bacon, and then like 
with some herbs. So like with um, okay. herbs. So like I take like a rosemary and stick it through the pearl onion and then roast it and then put some bacon around it. And so that would be one pearls before swine. Okay. And I wanted to make, I wanted them all to be biblically themed. So I wanted to do five loaves, two fish. And so I'd wanted to do two <laughs> fish in a salt crust where you take the whole fish and you put it in the salt crust and then you make it look like a fish on the outside and you crack it open <laughs> and have like, and bake a bunch of fresh bread, like five loaves. I just thought it would be really cute, right? To have like a Jesus themed 33rd birthday party food thing. And he was like, that's really darling, but we don't have that many friends and nobody will get it. Like, they'll be like, why are you? And for a week I was like she trying to come up. Like, yeah, yeah. Jesus themed food. It's really funny because of all the parables. It's like yeah. the seeds in the don't you know the seeds in the in the in the uh, rocky path you yeah. put, you plant your seeds you don't just it's the same thing he talks a lot about restraint you don't just throw your seeds willy nilly wherever and go oh I hope something grows yeah you have to take it's the gotta, seed yep. nurture the seed maybe even germinate it first you yeah. gotta nurture the soil you gotta build your little do the whole thing plant it put on the fertilizer don't throw it on rocks yeah don't why <laughs> would you why would you have expectations of anything <laughs> I I really love the parables because I love allegories and I think any being told as like I feel like that's what's wrong with kids these days is we're not teaching them moralistic anything it's like Disney is teaching them morals right. which is terrible we don't want why are we giving D Disney all the power over right. shaping our children yeah. where it's like but the parables and allegories it's great stuff you Good know stuff, like yeah. the you know, don't and build it, your house in a sandy land. Don't yeah. build it too near the shore. And that's what, and the, that's one of the reasons why Jesus spoke in parables because it, it helped people unlock their minds. You know, um, metaphors and all that. The, just the beauty of of linguistics. That's what I, I really love. Uh, actually, I teach. <laughs> I teach a public speaking class and a writing class um, like five or six hours a week. And cool. Yeah, I, I try to let them know about similes and all that stuff. And it's it's interesting to see how kids, you know, they somewhere in their brain they get it, right? But they, they can't put it into words what they understand or what they get, right? And so, you know, you bringing that up is, is that makes a lot of sense. And, and it, even just, you know, I'll have kids. Do you have kids? No. Okay. Well, I hopefully, you know, I don't know. One day I'll have kids or maybe not. I don't really care at this point. But, uh, you know, um, yeah, so kids, like, um, one thing that I, I want to do is I, I don't want them to be in the school system. Because I, I just, I feel like, yeah, yeah like, it's a, it's a babysitting system, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of where it came from. When, when the Industrial Revolution hit, all of a sudden now people are going to work uh, 9 to 5. Whereas prior to that, people owned a farm or they owned a business. Right. And they just worked whenever, you know. Um, and so when they were in the factory from 9 to 5, couldn't leave, the kids needed something to do. So that's where K, K through 12 came about. Wow. And so I've been, you know, I've. I've been teaching for about six or seven years as well. And when I first, the first time I started teaching, I was like, why are we teaching these, these kids, these outdated things, Right. you know, it really, or I, teaching to the test, which yeah. is so dumb when no child they're left behind anything. No, they're not. Cause they're not, there's no critical thought. I, no. I thought that George Bush's, I was, I was a credentialed school teacher from 97 to 2001. Right. And I got out because I saw what No Child Left Behind was bringing in. Oh, And really? that was taking away critical thought. Everything went from... Test taking. It, huh? it went to test taking. Wow. And fill in the blank and, and fill in the simile. This is to this, is this is to this. You know, wow. that kind of stuff. As opposed to reading a story and and considering the themes and applying those themes to your own life or right. like all of that was just wow. gone. Creative yeah. writing gone. Yeah. I graduated Oh four. So I probably saw the, the tail end of that. But, um, yeah, when I was, um, 
yeah when i was in high school i i went to a pretty cool high school so uh, shout out to james logan in union city um very it's a, it's a college preparatory school so they still made us do that and I, I had a really hard time like i was telling my kids the other day like i had a hard time understanding english just because i was a mathematical thinker and everything huh. you just said about like um analyzing themes it just didn't make any sense to me because in math there's always one answer right but when there's when you're reading a book there might be multiple themes and i right. couldn't grasp the concept of there being more than one theme sure but it really helped me when i figured it out in college really uh my mind just opened up right and just i started i started seeing things from different perspectives exactly i think that the only thing that's going to save the world right now is uh fiction stories literature is good literature written about people who, who writes good literature well anymore. i i think that Stephen, <laughs> i think i think that stephen king is going to be known as as one of the literary greats one day because his short stories are really incredible but yeah. when you are writing in even a first person narrative and it's somewhat like stephen king can write from a woman's perspective and he does it amazingly he can write from like a racist perspective and mm. it's totally great you can he can write from a misogynist person he can write from a crazy person's perspective yeah, he wrote a lot of books he's written oh my god he's written like crazy so many novels and then all the short stories and everything he's, it's just it's mind-blowing but i think that's what can save the reason that we people don't why can't we just all get along mm -hmm. is that we are unable to empathize with one another and right. one of the ways that we can teach empathy is through fiction off top because when people are reading a story mm -hmm. you get that intimate like you're the character right, right it's right, right. your brain or you're that you know like you're there as you but you're also there as what the author wants you to do well frig it's, it's also it's a dangerous uh, situation now because i don't know if you heard but like kids have they just have like ipads and laptops in school now so now they're they, they're still reading but they're reading